All right, welcome to episode six of the Berean Bible Prophecy Podcast. This is Bob McLaren. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, uh, all of these videos are are uh, posted on YouTube in audio form as well. You can search on my name, Robert McLaren, if it is easier to leave comments there. And uh, if you live anywhere nearby, we will. Uh, I'd love to meet you out there and uh, work through these things together. Um, anyway, glad you're here. After the last episode, I was kind of left wondering what else there was to talk about at the moment uh, that you haven't already thought through or heard a thousand times. And um, I wasn't even looking for something to talk about. I was just covering some material again, the Olivet Discourse and the parallel between Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and Revelation 6. And uh, as I went through, some questions and observations just started popping up again. So that's what I'm going to do this time. There's a, Hopefully we're going to cover a lot of ground uh, and maybe not dwell in specific areas a very long time. But uh, unless we need to, or we'll just save it for later. But uh, let's get started. And uh, of the three Gospels, I'll, I'll ju I'm just picking the one in the middle here in my notes. I'm going to stay with Mark 13. Uh, I don't, they all differ in a, by a little bit. And I've I talked to you in the first couple of episodes how these are like news channel reporters all covering the same story. The core content is the same, but each one might bring a little more detail out from the other, which gives us this beautiful 3D picture uh, of the Olivet Discourse and ultimately the 70th week. When we overlay it on Revelation 6, we actually get to see where the seals are and apply them across the Olivet Discourse, and it helps to tell when Jesus is jumping back and forward, uh, back and forth, uh, fast forward and rewinding through his story, because not all of it is just sequential. Most of it is, and in general it is, but he does hop back and forth, and you have to pay attention to some of the conjunctions that he uses or references to so when, those kind of phrases. Uh, anyway, let's get started. Uh, again, I'm in Mark 13, If and this is the KJV. Uh, pick your translation as you will. Uh, verse 1, And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seeth thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon one another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? You know, those three or four guys came to him privately. So that tells me there was a group either 
either it's the larger group of disciples or there's an even larger group uh, following Jesus around and these core disciples came to him privately. Uh, And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. That is disturbing. Shall deceive many. Now, we're not even to the abomination of desolation where uh, we've talked about earlier. I believe it's pretty clear that that is the great apostasy, the great apostasy where whoever is around at that point who has not been sealed by the Holy Spirit, and that's shown in other areas in Revelation, are going to, and and they're going to be, uh, they will take the mark. They're going to buy in completely, uh, but willingly. I mean, they will be convinced. And one of the the primary reasons is God gives them over to a, to a deception for this reason, because they did not receive a love of the truth. It, the English, well, the Greek is clear there. It doesn't say because they didn't love the truth. It says they didn't receive a love for the truth. So put that in your back pocket. Uh, Let me reread five and six. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. I looked at the Greek. I wanted to know if that really said, I am the Christ. And... Because you could take this and just say, well, I am a Christ or whatever, which maybe that doesn't make much of a difference. But when you look at the Greek, it actually says, I am he. So it, it technically, it really could be, it could say, I am the Christ or I am Jesus. Uh, Christ being the title Messiah in uh, Hebrew and Greek there. So, um who many will say, I am the one. If we rephrase it, we could rephrase that many different ways. Um, What's one of my points here? We have not seen that yet. Now, I'm sure we can go to YouTube and pull up some dude in the Philippines that thinks he's Jesus. And, you know, that's been around for quite a long time. And there's been others in history that have claimed to be, none of them have deceived many. None of them. So uh, there. this is one of many reasons why I think preterism fails, hard preterism, where everything was completely fulfilled in 70 AD. Um, I think there are just so many holes in that argument. They don't make the argument that Preterism is a pattern, which we know, we know by looking back that all prophecy is a pattern. It doesn't just occur once. It, it's occurred, you know, most of what God, the way he's operated, we've seen as, as a pattern or foreshadowing, showing hints. And each time the pattern reoccurs, it grows greater and shows, it uh, shows more truth and uh, points us, should point us towards 
the next uh, time that it would occur as growing ever increasingly closer. So uh, unfortunately, preterism stops at the uh, the first destination on the roadmap and stays there. They just camp out rather than recognizing that it many of the things that occurred at 70 AD were patterns and foreshadowings, foretaste, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it is not the final destination. Um, I also want to, while, while we are in these, I want to jump to Revelation 6 where these seals occur and, uh, and see if we can establish the pattern or parallelism there. So it looks like Revelation 6, 1 and 2 is overlaying Mark 5 and 6, Luke 21, 8, and Matthew 24, 4 and 5. <clears throat> Here's Revelation 6, 1 and 2. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, I've heard people make the case that this was, that, that the, the false Christ, the, the Antichrist, was going to be a man of peace, and, you know, and they say, you know, the bow is, because there's no arrows, it means peace, and I forget all the logic there. <clears throat> there's nothing there that shows me that there is peace, and that this, the one to come will be in peace, uh, and you'll hear the assumptions, you know, so somebody's coming to make a seven-year peace treaty, which it all sounds good until you read the scripture. And so when you go back to Daniel and you see that whoever's coming is a man of war and they are going to wear out the enemies of Israel, which Israel is looking for. That's exactly what they're looking for is somebody to come take out their enemies. So uh, they're not looking for somebody to make peace treaties with their enemies. Um who knows? I mean, maybe peace comes out of devastating war, but it uh, they just like the first appearance, they were expecting someone who was going to uh, liberate them from all their woes and tribulations, not not uh, pacify their uh, those that hate them. So. Uh, we also look at, if you look back at Mark 5 and 6, many shall come in my name saying, I am he. This, you know, even that, there's there's nothing there that would uh, lead somebody to believe this is peace at all. Uh, in fact, when you read, I believe it's Daniel, where it, it speaks about this time, all it says is he's going to confirm a covenant. It doesn't talk about the length of time. The only reason 
people jump to, well, it's a seven-year peace treaty is because we know the, the 70th week is seven years. But just logically, nobody makes peace treaties for a predetermined amount of time. They just make peace treaties. And then eventually one party or another breaks them. So it just makes no sense, the assumptions, and these primarily come out of pre-trib theologians. Seven-year peace treaty, illogical. So I don't know how you get around so many of these arguments that are uh, pretty lame when when you line them all up across all the the camps pre-post, pre-wrath, and, you know, whatever else is out there, preterism. Uh, anyway, onward in Mark 13, 7. And when you, oh, and let me, let me just, and we'll finish Mark uh, 6 here. I just don't see this has, as has happened yet. You know, referred to some dude in the Philippines. Uh, I know that was eight or 10 years ago, swore up and down he was Jesus. I have no doubt he probably believed he was Jesus, but everybody in the world would look at this clown and go, insanity, crazy. Nobody takes this guy seriously except for the other insane people around him. That's it, bottom line. So we are going to see people that are credible, credible, that say, I am he which means they're going to have some type of authority to present themselves to the masses that are they're believable they uh, they might fulfill some type of scripture and uh, the fact that they shall deceive many is scary because this is just the beginning because I don't believe this is the antichrist I don't believe we will see him uh, exposed definitely until very close to the midpoint. You know, whoever is leading these campaigns uh, in the destruction of Israel's enemies. Um, and if and if that's a coalition, it may be hard to determine until the little horn rises up uh, out of this coalition of kings. So I'll end this rant here, but the fact that anytime somebody knew who you know, wears a bad hairpiece or has a bad mustache or whatever and is evil, not making light of that, but anybody there's a new cast member on the scene, people go, he's the Antichrist or Trump is the Antichrist. Just want to say, hold on. I mean, because look at Revelation. There are a lot of cast members in this play and we've at least got 13 kings that the little horn takes out three of them. So you're talking about 13 world leaders, whether they're over regions or over the Middle East. That's just, that's just those leaders. Can you imagine the rest of the world and all the leaders involved there? It's going to be quite a, uh, quite a crowded stage that uh, will be filled with all these these uh, leaders of countries and coalitions. <clears throat> so uh, that's why anytime I say I see somebody say, "Oh, so and so's the Antichrist," and whatever, it, it number one, it's just too early, 
Number two, I, I don't think it's going to be that easy. It is going to be such a deceptive. He will be so deceptive, so like what most people are expecting that without the spirit, uh, it is going to be very difficult for us to discern uh, whether he truly is the Christ or not. If, if we're not uh, examining the truth and holding, holding these uh, actors to the word. So not that easy. Uh, Mark 13, 7. And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. Um, for this, I don't know that we've seen this yet. I mean, we're certainly hearing, we've had war and rumors of war, but I don't know if this is referring to something that is a, a magnitude greater in intensity around the world. Uh Looking at Matthew 24, 6 and Luke 9, see if it, you know, Luke says, but when, when you shall hear wars and commotions, be not terrified for these things must first come to pass. Now, if, if we are looking at this from the position of an, of an Israelite or Jew, be not terrified, then are we to take this as wars and rumors of wars of countries on the border of Israel that are ready to invade? Or are we to take this as worldwide? And, you know, but the fact that in the English, the word terrified, and I've looked it up in the Greek, it is, it can be taken that way. The fact that somebody would be terrified is, uh, is pride imposing, for it must be quite a large force that uh, is either on the border of Israel or the skirmishes and war all all around the world to be that great that people would be terrified. Uh, I don't know that we're there yet, which tells me we're probably not in the 70th week yet. But let me tell you, I think we're getting very close. I've got my own ideas for timing, but uh, I'm still watching and looking at evidence and things. Uh, not ready to get into specifics there yet. But moving on, Mark 13, 8. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes in diver, divers places. I've seen that as diverse as well. And there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. Uh you know, I've already said that I don't think these first two seals or events or types of events have truly begun yet. So I don't know that I could say that verse 8 has truly begun yet, but we, nobody can argue that we haven't seen an increase in earthquakes, an increase in intensity all around the world. We've seen famines trouble, you know, just broken government, uh, plague. Uh, Luke, referring back to news reporting where one reports other things, Luke talks about pestilences and fearful sights and great signs. And that's in the English. Um, 
fearful sights. I mean, what is that? Is that uh, UFOs? I know people go crazy over UFOs. I don't want to go there, but, you know, or, or maybe maybe this is weather. Uh, I don't it could be anything. It doesn't say, but uh, Mark 13, 9. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. Now, when I see that, I am already jumping to the midpoint, the abomination of desolation where you have enforcement of those who do not comply. Uh, it's Maybe it's possible that because of the wording in Daniel where it talks about he will confirm a covenant, maybe it's possible that Daily sacrifices begin, you know, as a nation, as within the nation of Israel, that uh, this coercion to to uh, per, to participate in this, and that certain ones don't, they are delivered up for scourging and things like that, not for death yet. Well, let me back up. Uh, when I look at Matthew 24, 9, then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then Luke 21, 12 and 13. But before all these, they, sh they shall lay your hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn you, and it shall turn to you for testimony. So, you know, if if they're killing, I don't, you know, it's possible, I guess, that Israel would kill their own who don't do not comply with whatever they are requiring during this daily sacrifice. Or we can just say this is the midpoint. This is the abomination of desolation where, where. Uh, you will be delivered up, and I'm. When I see synagogue, I'm thinking Jew first. Uh, if you're not complying, you'll be delivered to the synagogue to be scourged, afflicted, and ultimately killed. And let me jump jump back to preterist. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. I know they try to make A.D. seventy and the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, the end, the allegorical or symbolic 70th week, and therefore nothing in the future would apply. Revelation would not be future. But the destruction, for me, the biggest thing, there's a lot of reasons why you can discount that. But for me, the number one reason that you can throw out preterism as being the final destination or final uh, the completion of revelation is Matthew 9 Matthew 24 9 where it says you shall be hated of all nations for my namesake 
Let me tell you, Jerusalem was not destroyed in A.D. 70 because the Romans hated Jesus. They destroyed Jerusalem because they hated Jews. And those Jews were not believers of Jesus. They were they rejected Jesus. If anything, they were <clears throat> they were unbelievers like Romans. Romans weren't given that opportunity uh, as earlier. So this whole argument, I don't even I don't even know how it's gotten this far, other than people just are oblivious to scripture. They don't believe it. And ultimately, they hate the scripture because they don't believe it, because it doesn't reinforce what they believe. So uh, uh, I, I think we can easily say this is not taking place yet. And we can probably we can probably assume that this is the midpoint, although maybe maybe Israel kills their own citizens if they don't comply, that is, if this daily sacrifice takes place before his his appearance. Um, the reason I say that is the verbiage in Daniel where it talks about he will confirm a covenant or reinforce a covenant. Number one, from Chris White's uh, research, that sure does look like the old covenant and confirm it or reinforce it just makes it sound like it's Israel's trying to re-implement it, the sacrifice and having and maybe other nations have uh, take issue with it but uh, this guy comes along and confirms or backs them up I don't I don't know there uh, more to be seen for sure um Mark 13, uh, let's see, here I'm going to read. Mark doesn't mention the false Christ, it looks like, but uh, or false prophets. Matthew 24, 10, 11, 12, 13 does, and it looks like Luke doesn't mention it, and Mark doesn't. So let's read Matthew 24, 10 through 13. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. One of the things I wrote down when I read that was, what's the difference between a false prophet and the previous false Christ in plural that we saw, you know, nine, eight or nine verses earlier? To me, false prophets are not claiming to be the one. They're just terrible advice. Uh, and we see that in the Old Testament. Almost every occasion where a king has a whole host of advisors, astrologers, whatever you want to call them. And then there's one he calls on, whether it's Daniel or Joseph or um, can't remember any others, but they provide the king with the truth. Evidently, that's the difference. These are 
These are false advisors. They will advise the masses, these great theologians. They're going to lead the masses uh, into, in other words, they will comfort them in making their poor decision. They, you know, because it's going to be a great time of confusion and then you'll have these false prophets lead them even further into buying in with uh, terrible advice because they don't know. Uh, blind leading the blind. Uh, moving on to Mark 13.10, which parallels Matthew 24.10. And the gospel must first be published among the nations. And Matthew 24.14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Uh, hate to break it to the Baptists and the evangelicals, but this, this burden that you have taken on for God, well-meaning, no doubt, it is not yours. It is not your mantle to, uh, to share the gospel to the ends of the earth, to the four corners. Uh, if you are compelled if you feel like God has called you to do so and called you into the jungles of New Guinea, you know, do it if God has called you. But this, this uh, cornerstone that Christianity has taken, especially the Baptists, that they must, it is their charge. You know, it's the Great Commission, which, which Christ was talking to disciples. And yet... Uh, Christianity has taken this on themselves to share the gospel to the old, to the whole world. Let me tell you who's going to do that. The two witnesses, they will make sure they will make sure that the whole world hears the gospel. And, and let me make this clear. It is not the gospel that you should be following. You should be following the gospel that Paul has brought because there is a huge distinction between that and the gospel of the kingdom. You need to dig into that. Uh, crosses, we're, we're coloring outside the lines of prophecy here, but you need to be aware today the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of Paul. Because I'll, I'll tell you this, 99% of the churches, I'll, I'll call it Christianity, I don't want to blend church in there. 99% of Christianity is teaching the gospel of the kingdom. They don't know any better. They don't know any better. Figure it out for yourself because nobody in, in these memberships is going to do it for you. They spend 90% of their time in the gospels and they give lip service to Paul and they think they're the same and they've completely swung and missed on this. So that's my rant. Uh, moving on. Uh, I may not, well, I'll just hurry through these. I thought I may not finish these, but uh, Mark 13, 11. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall 
be given you in that hour that speak ye, for it is not you that speak, but the Holy Ghost. And the but when just tells me Jesus is he's looking back to one of these areas that we've already crossed through. I just put a note there, the great tribulation. You know, you're being led into synagogues. You better answer for yourself. You don't need to be able to. If, if you've already made the decision to be scourged and killed for the name of Christ because of the truth, God himself, this is incredible, God himself is going to speak through you with his spirit. Uh, and then he repeats again in 12, Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, the father the son, and children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. How heartbreaking. How heartbreaking over the truth. And evidently it's going to happen. We don't see the climate yet that that's even possible. So don't judge or don't try to soften this because it doesn't, this doesn't exist out there. We don't even see the, the culture that this could take place. We see a hint in uh, Islam where families will disassociate uh, sons and daughters, and only the most hardcore do this. The more reasonable ones can't swallow breaking a relationship between a mother and daughter, father and son, only the most crazy hardcore. And yet what we will see as commonplace is still yet future. And it, you can only get there through horrific deception. So uh, Matthew thir Mark 13, 13, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Again, this blows the preterist argument out of the water for AD 70. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And my note here referring back, this couldn't have happened in AD 70. Those people at Masada and uh, the people in, in Jerusalem proper that stayed there, fought and died, they weren't fighting for the name of Christ. They were fighting because it was their town. They were Jews. They were Israelites. It was their town, and Rome came in and destroyed it. They weren't destroying Christians. Uh, and 14, Mark 13, 14, But when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand. And Jesus just recaps. Uh, one thing I want to say is in Luke 21, Luke 21, 20, and when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. So this tells me that Jerusalem must be surrounded by the armies prior to the abomination of desolation. And that lines up perfectly with Daniel. That is exactly what Daniel presents. And it also, it also appears in Daniel that that is when this great one is cut off 
or kill. It appears to be killed. He appears to be killed. He's raised and immediately he sits down in the temple and declares that he's the one. And then the great tribulation occurs where it goes beyond if if it hasn't already, it, it goes beyond the Jews or Israelis proper and into uh, followers of true followers of Christ. The persecution and killing uh, ramps up even more by the numbers. Uh, and then the rest of this, Jesus is talking about fleeing. If When you see this, run. Uh, we might, in our own uh, paraphrase, when you see these things, run like hell, if that gets the point across. Uh, Mark 13, 20, jumping ahead. And except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, very interesting, he hath shortened the days. The, and I talked about it earlier podcast, but the great tribulation begins at the midpoint and is cut short somewhere after the midpoint. There's no indication how long it goes, but, but the Lord shortens it to spare the elect for the elect's sake. So, this blows the seven-year seven tribulation terminology out of the water. People throw that around all over the place. No doubt it's in books, still being printed today, still being written today. Uh, so frustrating to see people cast these phrases around and no foundation in the truth whatsoever. Uh, I'm jumping forward again, Mark 13, 21. And then if any man shall say to you, lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christ and prophets, false prophets shall rise and shall so, show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take ye heed Behold, I have foretold you all things. He just told us everything we needed to know. So, in other words, you don't need to go looking for Christ. His coming will be evident to the cosmos. From the east to the west. When you see these things, run like hell. Hide. Hide. You don't need to go finding Jesus. Because he will find you. He will, he will, uh, his coming will be evident to all. Now, uh, some of my other notes that, uh, let's see. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. That's the sixth seal. In Revelation 6, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And get this, verse 26, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then they shall see coming in the clouds with great power and glory. This, so the, the 
sun going dark, the moon being turned to blood, heavens, the stars falling from the heavens, and them being shaken. That precedes Christ's return. So if, well, and jump to 27, sorry, I wanted to make a point, but you need 27. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. And you can look in Revelation 14, I believe, 14.4, if I'm correct. This shadow, this all parallels with each other. So what I'm left with is for, for pre-trib, there either has to be a secret multiple, like there has to be multiple raptures for pre-trib to even be correct because if believers are not going to experience up to the sixth seal, then there has to have been a previous secret rapture, which I know many teach, but I don't see where it's explicitly taught without building on assumptions uh, that there's just no scripture there to even build on. Uh, or there has to be multiple raptures, uh, non-secret raptures, which I've read nothing from Paul and, and these accounts that allude to any type of private rapture. If anything, it is everyone is well aware of what is happening. So there so I'm left with there's either multiple raptures, which I'm I'm open to if there's scripture there, or there's only one. <clears throat> and right now I'm in the camp of there's only one. And uh and it takes place Romans 14, 4 and Mark 13, 27, Matthew 24, 31, and Luke does not, the only thing Luke says is, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. Well, pre-tribbers use that verse all the time, but they would, there's no way they would agree with the placement of the rapture being right here they always use the word for your you know lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh they've got to rearrange cut and paste and all this for their timing to work or they just rely on a secret rapture and pull things out of thin air to support their you know your redemption draweth near well not in their case because they've ejected far before any of this stuff ever came to pass um, I'll stop with that. We're at 43 minutes. That's a long time to digest. But one, one other thing I wanted to, I'll get to later is Revelation 6, where all the seals track together with the Olivet Discourse, Mark 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Revelation 6 talks about the parable of the fig tree. And in the Gospels, it talks about you know, the fig tree, the branch is tender, it puts forth leaves, you know that summer's near, blah, blah, blah. That isn't at all. Now, that that's the same across those three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Revelation 6 doesn't even 
it, this is where it differs. And when I see that, that's where that's a point we need to dig deep and see why it's different. Because anytime you see a uh, breakage in this narrative here, that's where we want to take a detour, camp out, chew on it a little bit, and see if it bears any new uh, new fruit or info there. So I've said enough. I hope I haven't gone too long for you. Uh, thank you for being here. I'll see you later. Bye.